Amen. All right. We heard a lot of great singing tonight, a lot of great music about the cross. And I really enjoyed the songs about Gethsemane just because uh, that story of Jesus in the garden, it is, it's a very sad and kind of bleak picture just thinking about him in night at night by himself praying while the Romans are in the process of getting an army together to come arrest him. Jesus knowing full well what he was going to do, he was in agony. I mean, when we see the miracles that Jesus was able to do, when you see the power that he had, a man who could walk on water, a man who slept in a ship during a storm, a man who stopped a storm just with his words, we see him, when it came to the thought of going to the cross, his soul was exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And as we see him praying there to the Father... Uh, there's no doubt he did not, uh, it was not his will, it was not his desire, uh, in fleshly speaking, to go to the cross, but it wasn't his desire to do the Father's will. And it was God's will for him to go to the cross because without the cross, we have no hope. Without the cross, uh, every one of us are on our way to hell. And, un and understand what we see when we look back at the cross is the greatest example, the greatest picture of love that there ever was. And uh, nothing will ever top it. Nothing will ever outdo it. And I think it's appropriate that we have a service like this. You know, we talk about the cross all the time, but I think it's good to have a, a service focused on it. I think the Lord's Supper is a very good thing to do, to observe as a church where we all come together. And, you know, and I appreciate everyone taking it serious too and being here now. I think this is probably our best Wednesday night crowd we've ever had. And uh, I, th I think this is a good time to have a good Wednesday night crowd when it comes to observing the Lord's Supper, because this is a very serious thing. And uh, what I want to talk about tonight, of course, we're going to talk about the cross, but I want to get my text tonight from Galatians chapter 6, verse, and we'll start at verse 11. He says, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cause of uh, cross of Christ. We see that in the book of Galatians, Paul was dealing with a heresy that had crept into the church where people were adding works to the law. And you cannot, add, or not at works to the law, works to the gospel. If you add works to the gospel, Paul made it very clear, it's another gospel. Paul said, if any preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. He was very clear about this. And specifically, the work they were adding to the law was circumcision. And you say, well, I don't know anybody that's adding circumcision to law, but Paul makes it very clear in this, doesn't matter, you can add any law you want, it has the same effect. Whether it's circumcision, whether it's baptism, whether it's just you being a decent person, church attendance, whatever, you add any works to the law, it is in fact another gospel. And I think we all know that. But these people, one of the reasons they were doing this is because they were under pressure from other religious people, you know, false brethren that had crept in unawares, and they were, uh, you know, they were critical towards those who would try to get people to quit focusing on the law and to start focusing instead on Jesus Christ. And so he mentions they were afraid of suffering persecution for the cross, is the way he puts it. And then in verse 13, he says, "For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law." but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. So even though these people that were putting this on them were not keeping the law themselves, 
They wanted to glory in their flesh so they could at least be able to say, look, we got these people to do like we're doing. You know, therefore, they're one of us. We've got something in their flesh. And therefore, you know, we're all good. But let me tell you something. When it comes to salvation, it's not about, it's not about any works you do. It's not about something that's in your flesh. It's about the cross. And people get so mad. They get so bent out of shape when we say, hey, why don't we start paying more attention to what people profess when trying to figure out if they're saved instead of works? And folks, works are important, but works don't determine salvation. And I don't understand this constant using of works to prove who's saved and who isn't saved. That's not what we see in the Bible. But you know what? Preachers often preach, well, you've got to have this work because they need you doing that work. You know why? So they can glory in your flesh. Everybody in our church dresses this way. Nobody in our church does this sin. They, they want to be able to brag on these things. But notice what he says in verse 14. He says, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And what does it mean to glory in something? To glory, you know, you could say it's to kind of to brag. It's even to boast. And you say, well, bragging and boasting, these are sinful things. Well, they are when it's about ourselves. But when we're glorying in the cross, you know what we're doing? We're just bragging on Jesus. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with bragging on Jesus. When we're in our glorified bodies, we're going to be standing around the throne singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Because he is worthy of all things. Jesus Christ did, in fact, full, you know, do the work of salvation. He paid the price for sin. And we do. We give all glory to him. And I'm telling you, what people need to do when they're giving their testimony of how they got saved, they need to spend a lot more time talking about Jesus and less time talking about themselves. And listen, nobody likes a good dramatic story better than I do about how somebody went from the you know, guttermost to the uttermost. And you know, I, I, I like those stories. But I'm here today to tell you that that's just, that's just a story. You know, the, the gospel is not you changing your life. The gospel is Jesus Christ paid for sins. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. That's the gospel. That's where people get saved. And you know what? I mean, thank God His Holy Spirit will help us and He can help us get victory over our sins and you can change your life and thank God when you do that. But let me tell you something, your changed life is not the gospel. And you shouldn't brag about your changed life. You shouldn't cast doubt on other people's salvation who's professing the same thing as you because, man, you just repented of all your sins after you got saved and they have, they've only repented about half their sins. You know, that, that's wrong. Okay? We glory in the cross because you know what? If you repented of 99.9% .9 of your sins, you know, it's still not going to save you because you're always still going to have some sin. And so if they only repent of 1% of their sin, you know, if that's what you were doing to save yourself, both of you are going to hell. Even if you did 99.9%, .9%, it'd have to be 100. And then you'd have to figure out how to erase the ones you did before you repented. And nothing will erase those other than the blood of Jesus Christ, and we've got to put our faith there. So uh, he goes in on in verse um, 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. The only thing that's going to get you saved is not anything you can do in this flesh. 
You've got to be the new creature. And by the way, the new creature also is not that one who's repented of all their sins. That new creature is that one that's been born of the spirit, that one that's been born again. It's that spiritual man. That's what the new creature is. Okay, so, you know, the circumcision, repenting of sins, all these things you do. These are all things you do in your flesh. And people want to try to act like those are the new creature. No, if that's the new creature, the new creature is pretty lame. But the new creature, it's something, it's something spiritual, some, uh, someone whose sins are not imputed unto them. And he says, and as many as walk according to this rule, if this is how you believe, if this is how you think, if this is where you're professing faith, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. And unlike the Israel of the flesh, unlike the Israel of the circumcision, that one in Jerusalem, you no know, peace on the Israel of God. And so I love what Paul said there about glorying in the cross. It makes no sense to brag about anything. And it is. It's a shame when, you know, we ask people if they know for sure they're saved when we're out knocking doors and they say, well, yeah, I, I did this. I did that. I got baptized. I took communion. I'm a Catholic. And they'll talk about all these things they did. No, you have to talk about Jesus. He's what makes a difference. And so, uh, I want us to look at some ways though that we see in the Bible that people often glory or boast. Because when it, here's what we got to understand too. When Paul is saying glorying in the cross, here's what you need to understand. When it comes to the cross, we make a big deal about the cross, and I'm all for crosses. I've got a cross on this pulpit. But, you know, we don't worship a symbol. You understand that? When we talk about the cross, we're not talking about a symbol where we don't worship a symbol. What it means when we glory in the cross is we're referring to what Jesus did on the cross. We're glorying in the work of Christ. A cross, anytime you see a cross, you shouldn't think, oh man, I need, I'm going to kiss this thing, touch it, you know, worship it or anything like that. No, it sh but it should be a remind you, a reminder of what Jesus did on that cross. It's a symbol of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And the cross is the symbol we should point people to instead of many things that Christians often point to instead. Many Christians have made the mistake of glorying in things that we have no business glorying in. In fact, we've been forbidden from glorying in those things. Even in this one passage right here, the only thing we should glory in is the cross in the work of Jesus Christ and what He did for us. So let's look at a few things. And uh, I'm going to jump around. If you want to try to follow along, you can, but I'm going to, hit, I'm going to try to hit these quick. In Matthew chapter 6, we see it says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Notice why a lot of people, what they want to glory in is their good works. That's what they want to talk about. They want to sound a trumpet about their good works. Why? So they can have glory of men. Folks, that's, that's not what we're here for. That's not our job to bring glory to ourselves. And folks, you know what? I mean, it's bad to sound a trumpet and announce what you've done, isn't it? But here's the thing about that. What's the whole point of sounding the trumpet anyway? That was just something they did back then to get everyone's attention. Okay? So, understand, the whole point of sounding the trumpet, you're getting everyone's attention 
so they can see what you're doing. Okay? So, even though, though we don't sound the trumpet, okay, isn't it the exact same thing if a preacher gets up behind a pulpit? I, you don't have to sound a trumpet when you're behind the pulpit and everybody's already looking this way. And then you just go and you just brag about your works. Isn't it the exact same thing? So may have glory of men. And I've, I've been there before. I've heard preachers. And again, I'm not against this as long as it's done in the right way with the right doctrine. But they will literally get up. I, 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 I shouldn't name them. Maybe I should name them. I don't know. I know one preacher who loves to talk about all the thousands and thousands of people that he has gotten saved from his sermon called my testimony. And he literally tells his story and he's always talking about the thousands of people getting saved from him telling his story, from his testimony. And, and I listened to it one time. It was all about him. And he, he acknowledged that Jesus saved him. There were some references to Jesus in the story a few times. But it's like, good night. If this many people are really getting saved from your testimony, I'm surprised God didn't put that in the Bible because... Your, your testimony is getting more people saved than Jesus' testimony, apparently. And, you know, we got to watch out for that. We cross a line somewhere. Again, I'm not saying a person can never get up and tell their story. You definitely can do that. Okay, the Apostle Paul, he would tell his story, but a lot of people, in telling their story, they're spending so much time that they're leaving out the story of Jesus Christ. And, folks, that's where people get saved. That's where we find salvation. We got, and we got to watch out for that. But a lot of people are, they're just, and then, and then too, these same people, this same individual, he's all over the place when it comes to repentance. Sometimes he gets it right. Sometimes, I mean, he's full-fledged, turn-or-burn type. And it's just absolutely revolting. I don't, you know, I listen to that guy preach. I'm not sure how to get to heaven. It's just, it, it, it's so confusing. It depends which message he's preaching. But folks, we have no business ever glorying in our works. It's a waste of time. And people do. They'll listen to these stories and man, wasn't that an amazing testimony? You know, and then they do and then they talk about them. No, we should be talking about Jesus. So uh, Romans chapter four. Romans turn over to Romans chapter four. Another thing we tend to glory in sometimes says, What should we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh is found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. You know, one thing that people do, they a lot of times they will glory in the works of their flesh. They will glory about the things of the flesh. Now, we don't do this too much in the uh, Baptist culture, because uh, every one of us, in, probably almost every one of us in here, if you're an American Christian, you have a background in, with some dispensational teaching, don't you? All right. How many grew up around, you know, been at least around some dispensational teaching? Okay. If you were at this church seven or eight years ago, you heard a little bit of, of that stuff. All right. So under, understand there's, uh, we've all heard a lot of this stuff. And so because of our dispensational teaching, we've all been taught about how sorry our flesh is as dirty dog Gentiles. Right? Dirty dog Gentiles is what we are. We're not like them Jews. Now, that, that's what we always heard before. But folks, do you all understand that that's the kind of thing the Apostle Paul was dealing with? You had the Jews who because of their flesh, because of their lineage, thought they were something. 
And imagine, imagine someone glorying in their ancestry, you know, spiritually speaking, all right? If you had a really cool descendant, I'm not going to try to take that away from you, all right? You know, if you descend from, uh, who is a cool historical figure, you know, Daniel Boone or somebody like that, you know, that, that's pretty awesome. I've heard Daniel Boone's in my family tree. Uh, I, I, I was told, I forgot how it works, but I'm, I'm, claim, I'm claiming it either way, though, all right? I'm, I'm claiming it either way because Daniel Boone was pretty cool. But folks, to, to, glor- to think you have some kind of spiritual position that you're up there somewhere because of the family you came from, that, my friends, is so unbiblical, it's not even funny. And understand, the Jews were like that. And you know what? And they would often say, bring up the fact, we have Abraham as our father. John the Baptist had to deal with it. But what did the Apostle Paul do, who was also a Jew? You know what he did when proving salvation was outworks? He used Abraham, and he said, what say the Scripture? Abraham believed God. You want to know why Abraham was justified? And he was Abraham? You all think, you, you, you have these Jews who think they're justified because they descend from Abraham, but what justified Abraham? He believed God. And he counted him for righteousness. Oh, and by the way, he goes on to show, now when did he receive this? In circumcision or in uncircumcision? In uncircumcision. This was, de- Abraham got saved decades before he was circumcised. Proving again, it's not about lineage. It's not about works of the law. But yet people will brag about that. And I will say probably the closest thing we have to it is sometimes you'll have people that will And I've seen this on Twitter before where uh, I forgot who it was or who they, who they descended from. But there was somebody uh, criticizing some IFB preacher who was going after the trendies because they're like a descendant, I think, of John R. Rice or somebody like that. I forgot which one it was. But one of the, one of the big names... It's like, you know what? Who cares? Okay? I mean, who, so you think you're an authority on the subject now because you, know, you descend from John R. Rice, whoever it was? Guess what? That stuff doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's the lineage everyone needs to be talking about. And I find it revolting, and I see this too. I could name two preachers right now who I've seen on Twitter Brag, brag about their Jewishness even though they're Baptist preachers. But they're also Jewish. It's like, if you've studied the New Testament, you should understand how irrelevant that is. And, you know, and the fact that you have to bring this up and the fact, too, that you're going to argue with me about you know, replacement theology and act like... And, and, you know, it's, it's like they act like I can't say anything about what the Bible actually teaches on that, they do it the same way like black people will act like you can't say anything about slavery because you were never a slave. You know, to which I would just say, and neither were you. <laughs> and you know what? It's, it's these, these people, they act like I can't say anything. It's like, no, I can say something. I see what the Bible says. And are you seriously going to glory in that? Do you realize how useless that is for anything? And if anything, if you're going to keep lifting this stuff up, it's going to keep being a hindrance. But you know what? The flesh, it doesn't do anything. We should never glory in that. It doesn't matter. I don't care where you come from. You need Jesus. That's the only lineage that matters. You must be born again. We also see, too, that in John chapter 7, verse 16, says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but His that sent me. 
If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keepeth the law. Why go ye about to kill me? Notice even Jesus himself, he wasn't out there doing things in his own name. He wasn't doing any things trying to lift up his name. All the things he was doing was in the name of the Father. And he, and he said that those who seek, or who speak of themselves are doing that, seeking their own glory. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people out there today that are doing everything they can to just advance their own name. That it is. They're, they're preaching, their writings, all, their ministry. It is all about advancing their name. It's all about getting their name out. And folks, that's not what it's all about. You know what? I, if, if I'm a good preacher, if I'm, if I'm really a good preacher, then my preaching should get you talking more about Jesus than it gets you talking about me. But you know, a lot of preachers, they're good at getting people talking, but everybody's talking about them. Everybody's name dropping them all the time. You know, you go to, you know, you go to some of these conferences and camp meetings and things, the name dropping that goes on in these things. I mean, they name drop some of the great men more than they name drop Jesus. And again, I'm not making rules here and saying you can never name people and tell stories or anything like that. But at the same time, we all know when somebody's just kind of crossed the line, it was like, this was a bit excessive. Okay, we all know it when we see it. Don't ask me how many times you're allowed to say somebody's name and how much time's got to be spent talking. We all, at the end, we know what it was all about. And at the end of the day, too, again, what are we talking about when it's all done? Are we talking about the Bible? Are we talking about God's Word? Are we talking about Jesus Christ? Or are we talking about that individual? Man, did you see the way he, you know, kicked over the communion table? Did you see the way he threw that music stand? You know, did you see the way he danced on the piano? I mean, you know, all these antics and things. That's what we often talk about after a camp meeting or something like that. But you know what you don't find anybody doing? Talking about the Bible. You know, they'll share the clip showing the guy's antics. But you know what nobody's doing? Is sharing a scripture. Hey, look at, look at what I learned in that meeting. And you know, these people that are out there doing that, there's preachers I know. I've never seen them preach one time where they didn't do a cartwheel. And they preach at youth conferences all the time. I'm not lying, folks. Cartwheels, okay? Maybe I should do a cartwheel. You ought to remember it. You know, I'm not as good as this guy. But here's the thing. He does cartwheels. That's all I... That, the only thing I ever remember this guy pre from his sermons, I can remember one line that he said preaching one time. And I can't repeat it from the pulpit. <laughs> And I think that's why I remember it. I remember the one really inappropriate line he said. It was actually pretty good, but it, it was all guys in there, I guess. But it just—it was one of those deals you can't say in front of ladies. And let me tell you, that's the only thing I remember. That and the cartwheels. That, that, that's all I remember. And, and you know, when teenage, we take teenagers to go hear him preach, you know what they all talked about? The cartwheel. They all talked about the cartwheel. It's like people go listen to him preach, just wait and see him do a cartwheel. And he does. He's a pretty big guy, and he nails those cartwheels. It's, 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 it's pretty impressive. Even if I could do a cartwheel as good, we wouldn't like it as much. It's just more impressive watching a big guy uh, do a cartwheel like that. But I don't know. Maybe I'll work on a backflip and uh, see if that, see if that you know, gets people watching. It'll make the video go viral, and maybe they'll hear the gospel. Right? Amen? You know, but no, it'll, it'll get them talking about me. So turn over to 1 Corinthians 1. 
So again, talk, trying to advance their own name. Okay, That's just the way we glory. We want to get our name out there. I could go on and on. We're probably not even going to get through all of these, but uh, 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the, confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, to not the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know what it's basically saying here? It's t- what it's teaching in this passage is it's teaching that God, He doesn't always use the talented. God uses the weak, the base, the low. I know "based" is a good word now, but it didn't used to be. Okay, it's like, you know our our language is corrupt and everything, right? Like like nowadays, it's good to be bad. Uh, you know, like you know, I'm so bad, or oh, is that that might be old. We passed that one, haven't we? Being bad to the bone, all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so base, but no, base is bad, folks. That mean means you're low. Okay. And that's who God uses. Now, why? Why does God use people like that? Because if God uses the base, if God uses the things that are despised, then guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. If God is using the most talented, the most eloquent, the smartest, then everyone's going to think, well, that guy's getting used because he's smart. And then you know what's going to happen. You're going to have a bunch of people in the congregation thinking, well, you know what? I guess I can never be a pastor because I'm not that smart. I'm not that talented. I don't have all these things going for me. But when God uses somebody that's base, then you know what? Other people look and it's like, you know what? Maybe if I surrender to God, He'd use me too. And guess what? That's true. He would. That is exactly what He would do if you would surrender to Him. And so people like to glory in their skills, their qualifications. We know we got that chapter about the qualifications of a bishop, so it's nice to be able to, you know, we're allowed to brag on that. Amen, right? No, you don't even need to brag on that either. In fact, here's the thing about the qualifications of a bishop. It's not for you to go around screaming, I'm qualified. It's something that the church should look at and they should say, you're qualified. But isn't it interesting how some people can't find anyone on the planet to say they're qualified. But they judge themselves as that way all the time. So understand, folks, that's not about glorying either. Somebody else should be telling you you're qualified. A church should be telling you you're qualified, but yet people still out there thumping on their chest, bragging on themselves. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says, "...in these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to defer one from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive?" And now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? So he's saying here, if you have something going for you, just understand it's because you received it. God gave it to you. It was a gift from God. So if it was a gift, why are you glorying in it? It's the same thing too when we say we know we're saved. We understand it's not bragging, even though a lot of people think you're bragging. No. We, it's never bragging to say we're 100% sure we're going to heaven if you believe salvation is a free gift. That's without works. Now, if you believe salvation is earned and kept 
through goodness, then it would be bragging to say you're 100% sure you're going to heaven. So, but that's not, that's not what we believe. It's a gift. And so if God gave you something, you have no business bragging about it. Even if you are talented, even if you are good looking, God did that to you. So you don't get to brag on it. You don't get the glory in it. You know, just be humble. And it shouldn't be hard for us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 20 says, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God. If you're saved today, you belong to Christ. Christ saved you. Now, thank God for whoever it was that preached the gospel to you. Thank God for whoever it was that caused you to, you know, that brought you the scriptures, that helped you see your need for a Savior. Thank God for, for whoever that was. But you know what? We should never glory in them. We should never act like, well, we are more saved. I, I've seen people before, too, where it's like they act like they've got a, you know, they're careful telling me about when they got saved because it's like they're almost embarrassed they got saved in a Southern Baptist church or something like that. You know, and it's just like, you know, you know I, I got saved when I was at a Southern Baptist church. Like they say it like they think I'm going to revoke their salvation, you know. But then you have other people too. They'll come, I got saved under this person's ministry like I'm supposed to be impressed. I, you know, hey, just I'm going to judge your salvation right now. I'm just going to, what are you professing now? And let me tell you something too. Again, a lot of people, this is another subject for another day. A lot of people have learned what they're supposed to say and know how to repeat back facts. But you know, it's when, uh, you know, when you don't know how, you can't figure out how to phrase anything yourself. When you're just kind of like a robot, I scratch my head a little bit. You know, I scratch my, I, I, I really do. And let me tell you, I've talked to a lot of people who weren't from people who talked exactly like we do. But let me tell you, they clearly had an understanding of the gospel. They might have said some things a little bit different. They might not have used the word repent exactly the way we use the word repent. But there is no doubt the spirit of which they were speaking. It was no doubt they were giving all glory to Jesus Christ for their salvation. There's no doubt that their faith and their trust is in him. And, but at the same time, it's like people, they like to drop these names because then it's like, you know, my salvation is better. Listen, if you're saved, you are just as saved as the person who accidentally got saved in a Methodist church somewhere. All right. You know, and are you saying, shut up. Okay. Listen, if somebody hears the gospel and they believe it, they, they call on the Lord for salvation, they're saved. Okay. I, I don't I don't care. And um it's amazing the way God has gotten the truth to people in the past. And so yeah, I, it, it's possible. I don't know. I am not gonna I'm not gonna you know make a big deal about it or anything. But first um man, we're we're about out of time. Galatians five twenty six says, Let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another and envying one another. You know, a problem with a lot of people today is they are they're just, they desire glory. They want something to brag about. They want something so they can lift themselves up, something so they can stand apart. Folks, that has no place in the church of God. That has no place amongst Christians. 
we are supposed to understand salvation is completely a free gift. It is given freely by Jesus Christ and it is kept secure by the Holy Spirit. We can never lose that. Folks, what do we have to brag about? Nothing. But you know what? It's like, it's like our world. We want somebody to worship. We want somebody to praise. I think that's why we have so many idols. I think that's why we have literal idolatry with statues and things. But folks, look at the celebrity worship that goes on today. Why do people need to do that so much? I don't, there, there, is, there is something in us we want to worship somebody. But here's the thing about worshiping Christ. He's not physically here, and so it takes faith. But remember, folks, without faith it is impossible to please Him. And we do. I think we as human beings naturally need someone to worship. And that's why, too. And I, I don't get it. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen some famous people before. When I was younger, I used to think it was a big deal. But I'm to the point now where I just, I'm really not impressed. Okay? I, I, I'm really not. If some super famous person walked in here right now, I'd think, I guess I think it was kind of cool. But I just, I don't really care about famous people that much. But, you know, our world does, don't they? I mean, they will, st- I mean, you know, I did it too. I stood in line for two hours one time to get Ryan Sandberg's autograph, you know, and I got it. And, and, and I, I have a picture of me shaking his hand, you know, I, I, you know, I, but I wouldn't do that now. I, I can't, I can't think of anybody I would wait for two hours to get their autograph today. I, I don't know if there's anybody out there I would even, yeah, even Trump. I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think I do it. You know, I just, I, I'm not really, I'm not really interested in that, but folks, we do, we need somebody to adore, someone to worship, but you know, it takes faith when we do it with Jesus Christ, but he's the one that all that belongs to all this love and adoration we are giving for people. Folks, we're giving it to all the wrong people. Do not give it to flesh and blood Give it to Jesus Christ. He's the one that deserves it. He's the one that's worthy of it. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? Two hours, really? Two hours to get an autograph of a person? I'm going to meet Jesus one of these days. That should be our attitude. I got to meet so-and-so. Well, you know, I I don't think we ought to be that way with celebrities and stuff, but I'm fine that way being that way with preachers. You know, I do it for a preacher, you know. You know, let me tell you, I've, I've met a lot of big names. And you know what? I've gotten to know a lot of big names. And the more I get to know the big names, the less I'm impressed. But that, there was a time when I was younger, I did. I thought the big name preachers were just the greatest thing ever. Now I'm just like, don't like them that much. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for them, but it's like, they're not impressive. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm finding myself less and less impressed with human beings all the time. And I'm not trying to have a bad attitude or anything like that. But, you know, I don't think we need to be. We need to be impressed with Jesus Christ. He's the one that deserves all that. And let's not waste our time on these things. And so, there's a lot more scriptures about glorying. We're not going to keep going through all these. But, folks, the cross is where we glory. That's what we point people to. That's what we make a big deal about. 
instead of advertising for celebrities, instead of advertising for ball teams and all the stuff that we like to do and just, you know, to show our support, you know, why don't we advertise for Jesus Christ? Why don't we promote Jesus Christ? That actually does something. That actually accomplishes something. That's what we need to be all about. That's what we need to be obsessed with. That's what we need to be paying attention to. He needs to be the one that we're looking for, the one we're waiting for, watching for, that we're anticipating. He's the one that we should be trying to mimic. You know, folks, you see all the weird things people are doing, the weird hairdos, the weird clothing styles. What are they doing? They're imitating an idol somewhere. We need to figure out what we can do to imitate Jesus Christ and to be as much like Him as possible. And He, he did so much for us on that cross. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I have a bunch of verses about the cross. I'm just going to give you this one. But Philippians 2.8, I love what it says, "...in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself." and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. While we glory in the cross, understand, and while we sing about the cross, and we sing these songs with great joy, the, the songs about the cross, they are, they're, they're happy, they are uplifting songs, and, and that's what we do when we look back at the cross. But remember, when Jesus was looking forward to the cross, He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. It made him sorrowful even unto death. And you know what? It's okay. He, he doesn't have a problem with us looking at that and finding joy. Because you know why he did all that? You know why he suffered that way? So we could have that joy. So we could have that free gift of salvation. Just like as, as parents, maybe sometimes you, know, you sacrifice so you can maybe buy that present for your children. And you, did, you had to work hard. You had to work overtime or something like that. And you know what? You want your child to enjoy that. And you know, you, you want them, even though it was a lot of work and it was sacrifice, you want them to enjoy it. And I believe that God is pleased. I believe Jesus Christ is pleased when He sees us singing those songs about the cross and singing them from the heart, singing them with all our heart, meaning it, finding joy, when He sees us finding comfort in it. And you know what? Nothing brings Him joy more, more than, any, than anything else as it does when someone says, you know what? I'm trusting in what was done on the cross to get me to heaven. I'm done trusting in my own works. I'm done trusting in any other gods. My faith, my trust is 100% in what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And if, Because when people do that, they get the gift of eternal life. They get the gift of salvation. And that was the whole point. That was why He went. And so we need to keep on proclaiming that message. And as Christians glory in the cross. Do not brag about your membership at Liberty Baptist Church. It's nothing to brag about. There's, there's nothing to glory in. Glory in Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the cross and what You did for us. And Lord, we thank You for this time where we can come and remember uh, Your body and Your blood and what You did for us and help us to never forget it. Help us to glory in it. Help us to promote it. And tell as many people as we can about it. In your name we pray. Amen.